Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Let's talk about RSV. This comes from Jackie's article, RSV, Three Routes to Stay Out of the Hospital, on the deeprootsathome.com website. We're going to be talking about at-home treatments for RSV in a two-month-old, how to use saline in a nebulizer to help clear airway infections, going, or going the homeopathic route for chest infections. Our youngest age group has largely been sheltered from viruses due to the pandemic, says family medicine physician Niha Vayaz, MD. Now, as they're returning to daycare and other pre-pandemic activities, they're being exposed to these viruses and have, develop, have not developed the immunity to them that naturally occurs. I think the more likely cause can be found in all of the COVID vaccinations. As RSV cases climb, it becomes increasingly important to know how to treat your children's symptoms as they happen. But how do you treat RSV at home? The best practices online include, number one, at the first sign of a cold, start elderberry syrup without honey added if the child is under one year old. Elderberry is one of my favorite antiviral herbs to use for kids. And later in this podcast, we're going to talk about elderberry more, plus give a recipe. Prioritize sleep. This will allow for a quicker recovery, so maintain a proper nap and bedtime schedule. Children will often lose their appetite, so it's important to keep them well hydrated, especially infants. Give nutrient-dense broth and pure water with a pinch of Himalayan salt for electrolytes. Skip the Pedialyte due to all the sugar added. The sugar hinders white blood cells, also known as killer cells. Manage a fever, and by managing we mean watch carefully, but let a fever run its course. For more information, you might be interested in our recent podcast, Knocking Down a Fever is Like Shooting Your Attack Dog in a Burglary. When should you take your child to the hospital for urgent medical care? Pay attention to your child's breathing, stresses Dr. Vias. If they're having to use their neck muscles or their chest muscles to take breaths, or they're breathing fast, or if their lips seem to look blue, seek medical attention immediately. So here's some natural help for RSV. Jill, a longtime friend from Jill's Home Remedies, shares how she treated her two-month-old daughter with RSV. Regan's symptoms started off like a cold and developed into more and more congestion, which turned into wheezing. There's never good timing for sickness, but Regan's wheezing developed during a snow and ice storm, and I was unable to take her to the doctor due to them closing their offices for a few days. Regan's symptoms weren't bad enough to make an ER trip, so I watched her closely at home and used a few home remedies to help things not get serious. I did take her to the doctor as soon as I could. They tested for the RSV and prescribed a nebulizer with saline. I began giving her colloidal silver from the beginning when she first showed signs of coughing and congestion. 
For her age, I gave 10 drops three to four times a day. When her cough tightened and she started wheezing, I gave her 10 drops of silver every two hours for about three days. Her cough quickly loosened and became more productive, and her wheezing didn't get serious. I administered silver for another five days, one to three times a day, until I'd given it to her for a total of 10 days. I used American Biotech Labs Silver Biotics, which you can find on Amazon. I also put a humidifier or a diffuser on a chair by her bed. I use the humidifier every day with three to four drops of eucalyptus essential oil until her wheezing stopped and the congestion was almost cleared. Although Regan did have some very serious symptoms of RSV, she didn't run a fever and was her usual happy smiling self. The doctor and nurses all commented that she certainly didn't act sick and they were surprised at how well she handled the virus. I get this comment often when my children are sick because using natural medicines to assist the immune system makes all the difference. I've never had a baby sick so young, and I'm glad I was able to ease her sickness at home with simple, inexpensive home remedies. Saline nebulization helps clear airway infections and nasal passages. If everyone had a small nebulizer at home, we could lessen the chances or prevent getting tangled up in the medical system. See the video on Jackie's website. Nebulizing normal saline, 0.9% is an effective safe treatment for acute viral infection in the small airways of lungs. The Journal of Pediatrics also assessed the effectiveness of nebulized hypertonic saline in the treatment of viral bronchi bronchiolitis, RSV, etc. in infants. They found nebulizing with 3% hypertonic saline reduced the length of hospital stay by 26% in infants with moderately severe infection, compared to nebulizing with standard saline. You can purchase either 3% hypertonic saline or the standard saline, or you can make your own saline. You could make your own by mixing one teaspoon of unprocessed salt, such as Himalayan salt, Celtic salt, or Redmond's real salt, into a pint of water. This will give you a 0.9% saline solution, which is about the concentration found in body fluids. How to nebulize. Read the nebulizer instructions. The treatment for an adult or a child should be two to five times a day for three to four minutes or longer if possible. Holding the mask in place for your child on your lap may be needed while awake, but it can also be held by a parent not touching the face as they sleep. Many children will relax as they find it helps them. Nebulizing has saved many, many lives, especially during COVID. Best results are with a desktop nebulizer as it delivers it further into the lungs. Next, we'll talk about going the homeopathic route for RSV. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com 
forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. So let's talk about using homeopathics for RSV. Here is a case in point by Joette Calabrese. Lori stayed on top of her first grader's symptoms from the onset of a respiratory virus by addressing them with homeopathy, no matter what the viral strain alphabet soup name was. And that made her daughter's condition more manageable and less severe. But when confronted by a cold, flu, or any respiratory virus, my mainstays course of action are a common Banerjee protocol and speed of action, like when using elderberry. I have averted many viruses using Aconitum napolis 200 mixed with Bryonia alba 30, taken at the first inkling that a virus is taking over my system. Not later or before bed, not the next day. I'm talking immediately at the first sign that I'm feeling an illness coming on and then repeating every few hours depending on the severity of the illness until very much better or until the presenting symptoms require a different medicine. And not uncommonly, my family and I get less sick less often as the years go by by virtue of such knowledge. That's why I recommend that anyone susceptible to viruses, and that means everyone, carries Aconite 200 and Bryonia 30 in their pocket or purse. Don't leave home without it. So things would have been different when Lori picked up her daughter from school and heard the first little, Mommy, my throat hurts. Armed with Aconite 200 and Bryonia 30 in her purse, Lori could have pulled the car over and administered this powerful homeopathic protocol immediately at that moment, not waiting for later that night when they got home. Also, the cell salt, Cali Carbonicum 200, is a powerful medicine for mucous membrane disorders, particularly in the chest. Generally, Cali Carb 200 would be utilized once a day for a mild case of bronchitis. However, twice a day may be necessary if the condition is more severe. Joette gives great information on chest infections without antibiotics using homeopathy. I would suggest you go to the deeprootsathome.com forward slash RSV, three routes to stay out of the hospital, and watch the embedded video of Joette get, talking about chest infections without antibiotics. Let's talk about elderberry syrup. This comes from a post titled, No Flu Shots for Us. We use elderberry syrup. 99% effective for H5N1. No flu shots for us. Instead, our family relies on powerful elderberry. My non-alcoholic version is perfect for kids. First, I'll tell you what's so great about it, and then I'll tell you how to make it. Update. Last flu season, the demand for dried elderberry skyrocketed due to incredible awakening that elderberry works and is safe. Dried elderberries were hard to find at a reasonable price but the price for prepared store-bought elderberry syrup preparations wasn't near as high. So check out and compare Gaia Herbs Elderberry Liquid and Pure Synergy Rapid Rescue with amazing ingredients and no added sugar. I consider both, elderberry, both emergency level products. Also, Amazon has a lot of selection at near normal prices. I remember the day it was first reported worldwide. Dr. Madeline Mumkuaglu made elderberries internationally famous through the well-publicized research and laboratory studies. It was demonstrated that Sambucus nigra species of elderberry was effective against a wide range of influenza viruses, including human, swine, and avian strains. This led to the development of a popular elderberry glycerin tincture preparation 
called Sambucol. Even if the preparation is taken too late to act as a preventative, controlled clinical studies demonstrated that Sambucol could reduce the severity and duration of influenza by half. In 2006, a world-televised press conference was held at the Royal Society of Medicine in London, where the results of exciting new research on the patented elderberry formula was presented and found to be at least 99% effective against the avian flu, H5N1 virus, in cell cultures. A predicted worldwide bird flu pandemic was expected to eradicate huge swaths of populations, and so this was wonderful news. New science is beginning to understand what Europe's country folk and Native Americans knew all along. That elderberry is good for preventing colds and influenza and traditional homemade elderberry tinctures and non-alcoholic glycerin or honey-based syrups work just as well as sambucol. Elderberries are highly esteemed by herbalists and those who know it all over the world. It's considered to be nature's answer to Tamiflu, a prescription drug that is commonly used to stop the flu. Recently, it has been reported that Tamiflu puts adults and kids at risk for neuropsychiatric and behavior disturbances. We recently did another podcast on this. Traditionally, elderberry preparations are taken in a higher amount and early enough to head off a massive viral invasion right from the start. So here are the ingredients, two cups of fresh or one cup of dried organic elderberries, three cups of water, three quarter cups of raw honey, only do not add it to the boiling pan. We'll talk about that in a minute. Three to four cinnamon sticks, fresh ginger, and three cloves, which are optional. We all love this truly natural flavoring, plus their healing benefits though. You can also use an equal amount of glycerin, as many old recipes called for, but I don't prefer it now as I know glycerin can be corn-derived. If you want glycerin, Find a non-GMO food-grade and palm-derived one. Here are the directions. Place your elderberries, water, and optional spices in a saucepan. Bring to a very hot temperature, but do not boil. Reduce the heat and simmer with the lid on and tilted to vent on low for 40 minutes. Mash the berries to release the remaining juice. Two, let it sit a few more minutes and then strain the liquid off from the berries using cheesecloth a coffee filter, and a thin old towel. Be sure to squeeze all the liquid out of the berries. Three, allow liquid to cool completely. The raw honey, note, the raw honey will lose the powerful healing antimicrobial enzymes and natural antibiotic components if heated at all. This is why you don't add it to the boiling water. Add the raw honey to the totally cooled liquid. The berries were heated in only after straining off the berries. Bottle the syrup and store in the refrigerator for up to four months. Shake before using. You can also make a vodka-based elderberry tincture that keeps beautifully for seven or more years. We will talk about that in a minute. Very important when you're treating the flu, the best time to start treating a cold or flu virus with elderberry is at the very earliest stages before the virus has gotten a foothold. As in, I think I may be coming down with something, but I'm not quite sure. Cold and flu viruses multiply so rapidly that it is critically important to begin treatment while they are few in number and before they have a chance to mount a massive attack. Need it faster? Ultra-strength elderberry liquid, which is 10 times stronger, and pure synergy rapid rescue with amazing ingredients and no added sugar 
are both emergency level products. Doses for all ages. Adults and elderly, if exposed to cold or flu or the first time of cold or flu, we adults take one to two tablespoons of elderberry syrup or a dropperful of the vodka-based tincture every four to six hours for up to a week. Stop and start as needed. It's not meant to be taken longer for weeks on end as a preventative. For children that are under 12, if exposed to cold or flu, administer one teaspoon of elderberry syrup two to three times a day for three to four days or at the onset of cold or flu-like symptoms, one teaspoon per waking hour for three to four days. Stop and start as needed. It's not meant to be taken long-term for weeks on end as a preventative. For toddlers, two to three years old, give half that dose. For babies, do not give to babies under one year old unless you make a separate bottle without honey because honey carries a risk of allergic reaction under one year. Instead, bottle a small portion of the recipe before the honey is added. Mark that bottle well. For baby, no honey. Consider adding a quarter to uh, an eighth to a quarter teaspoon of applesauce at first sign of illness or when exposed. For those who are immunocompromised, elderberry, like anything that initiates an immune response, is promoting inflammation in the body. This inflammation is nature's process for bringing the heat on pathogens and clearing them. So two things to note. For some, it should not be used daily, indefinitely, or through an entire season. Healthy inflammation should be an acute, sudden response. Take elderberry at the very first sign of illness or exposure. Otherwise, feel free to take a teaspoon here and there several times during high flu season. Cytokine storms and those with immuno, autoimmune diseases also take note, such as Hashimoto's, RA, celiac, you should all use immune stimulants carefully, if at all, depending on your individual response. This does not happen to everyone. When the immune system is initiated, it can also trigger symptoms and change your autoimmune condition. So yes, small short dosing duration, and just watch your body and symptoms, and use a sensible approach. Not one size fits all. If you're nursing, Drugs.com states, elderberry is most often used for influenza and immune stimulation. It has no specific lactation-related uses. No data exists on the excretion of any com components of elderberry into breast milk or on the safety and efficacy of elderberry in nursing mothers or infants. Elderberry preparations have rarely caused allergic reactions. If you don't have a source of fresh elderberries where you live, it's easiest to buy dried bulk organic elderberries. For one of the oldest and finest resources of all things herbal, there is Rosemary Gladstar's Herbal Recipes for Vibrant Health, 175 teas, tonics, oils, salves, tinctures, and other natural remedies for the entire family. And you can see more about this on Jackie's blog on this particular post. So what if you wanna make a vodka tincture? Well, here's the instructions for that. First of all, locate or plant your own bushes as we did. Find a site with wild elderberries, or you can get it in bulk, Sambucus SSP, or grow your own. Growing elderberries is not at all difficult. A few things if you are gonna try to grow your own elderberries is they can tolerate different conditions like soil that is in poor condition or soil that is too wet. One thing that growing elderberries cannot tolerate, however, is drought. When planting elderberry bushes, you should note that the berries will grow on the bushes for the first year you plant them. 
but the berries will do better the second year. Elderberry planting is done best in well-drained loamy soil, so add a few inches of organic matter to sandy soils. When planting, make sure to allow for cross-pollination. Therefore, two or more cultivators should be planted near each other to allow for necessary cross-pollination. A six to seven space, foot spacing works out well and gives them room as they will spread if happy where they are. We purchased our plants from ediblelandscape.com. Since most, though, don't have these growing in their backyard, you can also purchase organic dried elderberries online at the Bulk Herb Store or Amazon. You can also learn how to identify elderberry in the wild, and there is a video on Jackie's blog, deeprootsathome.com forward slash making elderberry tincture, how to identify elderberries. Secondly, harvest your elderberries. Pick your elderberries just below the umbrels, which is the umbrella-shaped berry clusters. The fresh clusters snap off with ease. Gather the ripest, almost blackberry clusters. Take a Ziploc freezer bag and gather them in that. Third, freeze. When you have a bag full, take the berries home and pop them in the freezer. When frozen, two days at best, the berries will tend to pop off easily from the stems with a little help with your fingers. You may decide to skip this part and just separate them while they're fresh, but it takes a little bit longer. Fourth, separate. Crumble the berries off of the stems into the bowl. Wash, rinse, and transfer to a quart jar. Fill the jar with berries to halfway or over. Allow to thaw. You can then mash them a bit if you wish. With fresh or frozen elderberries, add them to the jar to halfway or just over half. With purchased dried elderberries, add them to the jar to 35% or 40% full. Five, steep them. Cover to an inch or two from the top of the jar with brandy or vodka. It must be 80 proof or above to extract the medicinal qualities and preserve it. Use a tight-fitting lid, label, and tuck away in a kitchen cabinet for four to six months where you see it every other day. Gently shake every time you see it. Bottling your elderberry tincture. After sufficient time, four months minimum to extract all the active compounds. To extract the vital comp comp components that make elderberry so desirable for flu, Strain the liquid and denatured berries through a stainless steel colander lined with thin cloth or cheesecloth. Store your elderberry tincture in amber dropper bottles or glass jars in your pantry. It will keep for many years. For adults, mix a quarter teaspoon or 20 drops from a dropper of the finished tincture into a six to eight ounce glass of water and take it three times a day at the first sign of flu or cold. It's got a sort of a tangy berry flavor, like raspberries, but more tangy. The water can be hot or cold, but we really like it mixed into a steaming mug of hot water. If you're concerned, much, but not all, of the alcohol will evaporate off when it's hot. Besides, if you're getting sick or think you are, there's nothing like a steaming mug of anything. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS? TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. 
TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. And lastly, let's look at a beautiful nutrient-dense bone broth for cold and flu season. I love to ladle my famous chicken broth into bowls from my stock pot. My broth simmers with bits of carrot, parsley, celery, and tiny shimmering fat globules. This nutrient-dense, life-promoting broth is anti-aging, has numerous benefits for health and for culinary use as well. This broth makes into the simplest of healing soups. When you're knocked out by a cold or coming down from a flu, sipping several bowls can help open up your respiratory pathways, build your immune system, and simply make you feel so much better. A true comfort food, it even seems to brighten the dreariest of days. I'll show you how to make it. But first, let me tell you, when I feed this to my hungry family, halfway through the bowl, they invariably say, Hmm, this is so wonderfully warming, it makes me feel so good. The secret they know is the broth. When you use a rich broth as a base, it makes everything better. Without exception, they are satisfied, warmed, and strengthened. Plus, they don't feel hungry all the time because they get, they're getting full nutrient value. The benefits of both broth is extensive. With its high concentration of protein, collagen, glycine, and perhaps most importantly, minerals. First, you must start with the healthiest chicken you can find, and I admit that can be difficult in this world so tied into quick and easy. When we were on the farm, we raised our own chicken. We knew the chickens got plenty of bugs, seeds, our own feed, exercise, and sunshine while on mineral-rich soil. Properly raised pastured chicken, pasteurized on mineralized soils and lush grass, is as good as gold. I purchased chicken from a nearby farmer that lets the birds run and get sunshine and bugs in the summer. I like to buy a larger number, 10 to 15 in the fall, so I can freeze summer chicken. To find a source for healthy chickens close to you, go to Eat Wild and check, click your state or Canada. I try to buy local, but I also purchase at Trader Joe's, Costco, and others that carry chicken that is labeled organic. No trace antibiotics, GMO feed, or hormones. 15 or more years ago, a light bulb came on into my head. Remembering what my grandmother did, I realized how convenient and economical it was to make homemade soup stock, starting with the leftover carcass and leavings from the previous meal of roast turkey or chicken. Now my birds would have two lives. First, they're roasted to a perfect golden brown in the oven and served as a hearty main dish. Then their bones are used to make the perfect broth. So how do you begin making this broth? The cooking time for stock is at least eight hours, but hands-on time is 15 minutes tops. You start by placing all the parts into the stock pot with a lid and just cover the bones with water. Add one-fifth a cup of cider vinegar. I use Bragg's organic vinegar to help the bones to break down, giving up their minerals, collagen, and gelatin into the water. After an hour or so of the acid soak, turn on the heat and lightly simmer it. No rolling boil. On low, simmer it for low for about 12 hours or overnight if you wish. Your home will smell absolutely marvelous. This is the way we have cooked for centuries. If need be, take 30 seconds, two or three times to skim off any foam that, that starts. After the simmering period, and while the broth is still very hot, I carefully fill waiting clean canning jars using a stainless funnel and half or one cup measuring scoop. 
When the broth is at a low level in the stock pot, I remove the bigger bones and pour the remaining liquid and small bones through a large sieve. Discard all bones. For every quart jar, I add a half teaspoon sea salt to lengthen the keeping time in the refrigerator. I cap the jars once they are cooled just a bit and refrigerate within an hour. Not opening them to sit open, not allowing them to sit open to any contamination in the air is a secret of my broth keeping very well in the refrigerator between two and three weeks. It will also freeze beautifully with a little headroom in the container for expansion. Any properly prepared broth will be golden and jiggly after you refrigerate it. First, I make a lot of broth. This is how I use the bone broth in meals. I make a lot of broth mostly from the early fall, mid-September through late May. I love it warm all by itself. My body loves it. If there's any sickness, we make broth. But we use it in many more ways. I usually use a half stock, half water for cooking. But there's no need to dilute unless you want to ration it. The gelatinous nature of it gives a soup body. Use the broth for cooking soups or stews, beans, rice, wild rice. They absorb the broth quinoa, barley, bulgur wheat, etc. Often the only thing I add is skillet sauteed caramelized onion, potato, carrot, celery, parsley, garlic, and bits of cayenne pepper for some heat. I saute everything until soft in coconut oil or olive oil. Then I add it to the broth for amazing flavor. Sometimes if I'm really pressed for time, I don't saute at all. I simply put my additions into the stock to simmer and I season with sea salt, pepper, and my favorite blend of herbs. Broth has been a vital part of fighting colds and flu in our home for years. Well-prepared chicken broth and broth-based soups make you feel like you're an accomplished cook and you will be serving your family one of the most strengthening foods known to man. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Jackie would like to remind everyone that she is not a doctor, nor is she a practicing nurse anymore, and she does not share all of this as medical advice. But these tried and true practices has been medicine for many, many years, something that has been practiced for decades. Use with discretion. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time. Thank you.